you know, seeing data that appears to be unfriendly or bearing bad news, it's almost like telling someone their baby's ugly. <laughs> so there can also be, you know, like very strong emotional attachment. James Schramko here from superfastbusiness.com and you're listening to my friend Ash Roy on ProductiveInsights.com. Welcome to the Productive Insights Podcast, where you can learn how to systemize, automate, and scale your business via the internet. To access previous episodes and useful productivity tips, go to www.productiveinsights.com. Now, here's your host, Ash Roy. Hey, this is Ash Roy, the founder of ProductiveInsights.com, and I would like to welcome you to the first part of this two-part series where my guests and I talk about data analytics and how to use it to increase your business's profitability. Some of the topics we cover in this first part include why data analytics is so important for your business and how data can actually become counterproductive when it gets to just be noise. We talk about how to identify the signal from the noise and to use your data to move your business forward rather than cause paralysis by analysis. We actually cover a case study in which a client discovers how they were getting seven times higher conversions using Bing ads as compared to Google ads and the role that data analytics played in that discovery. We also talk about Facebook advertising versus Google advertising and which one you should be looking at for your business. And we talk a bit about retargeting as well. So I hope you enjoy this first part of this two-part series. If you do enjoy the content, please do leave us a review on iTunes. Every single review is greatly appreciated. Now on with the show. This episode is brought to you by the Productive Insights Done For You podcast launch service, which positions you as a leading authority in your market and successfully turns listeners into high-value customers. Book a call with me on callashroy.com to discuss how we can get started. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to head over to the show notes on the Productive Insights website and you'll find several other related episodes. All you need to do is click on the related link in the show notes and you'll be listening to related and useful content in no time. Hey guys, our guest today is the founder of analytics.com, that's spelled A-N-N-I-E-L-Y-T-I-C-S.com, and she loves everything to do with making data sexy. She spent her days taking deep dives into data to identify trends, do forensic research, and carve out strategic blueprints to transform clients' goals into reality. She's created a training course and a DIY data analytics audit template that helps online marketers save a lot of time in their data analytics audit. Today, I'm delighted to welcome Annie Cushing from analytics.com. Welcome, Annie. Thank you for having me, Ash. Great to have you here. And I just want to say a special thank you to Rand Fishkin for introducing us. It's absolutely wonderful to have you on the show. It has been a little bit of an effort in terms of persistence, but I'm so glad we persisted because... <laughs> I think we have some great stuff to share with our audience. So, Annie, let's start by talking about why you think data analytics is so critical to business growth today. Yeah, so, you know, it goes back to that adage, you know, you can't improve what you don't measure. Mm -hmm. And I would add to that, you know, at least in today's day and age with the volume of data that marketers have access to, it really comes down to not just 
improving what you can measure, but even sifting through all the chaff and figuring out what data is most relevant to you, what data should be informing your decisions. And, you know, with the glut of data that we have access to, that can be very challenging. Yeah, that is so true. We have so much data coming at us from every direction. And, you know, some of it is just noise. But, you know, we have advertising, we have data. And the challenge really is being able to identify the signal from the noise. And I think that's where you come in. Yeah. Yes, yes, exactly. So uh, one of the things that I do when I'm talking to clients or people at conferences or whatever, when they yeah, because I am frequently asked, what should I be measuring? What should I be looking at? What should we include? And the tendency is, in the beginning, to just want everything. You know, especially when you're building out a dashboard, it gets really exciting. And, you know, they can just want, you know, 27, 30, 35 widgets in their dashboard. Mm. But the problem is, we can become exhausted very, very quickly. And people, not just marketers, but people in general, are very easily intimidated by numbers. When you add the fact that this is your business or something you're responsible for, you know, seeing data that appears to be unfriendly or bearing bad news, it's almost like telling someone their baby's ugly. <laughs> so there can also be, you know, like very strong emotional attachments. And, and so I've learned over the years to really get to the essentials by sometimes I'll ask clients, you know, what are, what campaigns are you investing the most in terms of resources and finances into, you know, just trying to get an idea of what's most important to them. Because I'm thinking, okay, those things I want in the top left corner of the dashboard, I want them to look at those things first. I'll even ask clients sometimes, are there any issues that keep you up at night that really just kind of run through your mind like gerbils in a, on a wheel? And so I try to address those issues by getting to really the heart of what's most important to them. Because I could build out a really sexy dashboard, you know, make it interactive and all these things. But if it's not telling the story that they care about, it's just going to be one more thing that they don't want to log into, which is definitely something you don't want. And so... I try to work with businesses to say, okay, no, let's pare this down because I want you to actually be motivated to look at this data on at least a weekly basis, if not a daily basis. And if it's not relevant, they're not going to because it's just not even just noise. It's very high anxiety producing noise. Mm. So, Annie, you make a really good point, and I really like what you said about information that is relevant to your customer. So, I spent 15 years in finance and strategy in the corporate world here in Australia and overseas, and I learned a lot about data and analytics. A lot of my role involved management of information systems and analytics for large corporates, and I completely agree with your point. Analytics for analytics sake is pointless. You need to create analytics and data around the objectives of the business. If a business wants to increase its profitability, then it needs to find out which of its product lines are most profitable. And so analytics needs to be around the product lines, or maybe they want to find out which distribution channel is working the best for them. So they need to talk about 
look at analytics around distribution channels. Or if they're doing advertising, which a lot of online marketers do, they need to do analytics around which form of advertising is working best for them and use the data to decide where to put all their energy. So initially you might start a little bit broad, but then you get some feedback from the market through the data telling you which actual activities are working best. And that's when you double down. Do you agree with that, Annie? I absolutely agree with that. And in fact, I have an example. One client, I was doing a dashboard for them and they did clean up after unfortunate like accidents and it was it was kind of it was kind of grotesque a little bit like the keywords but they were doing adwords advertising that that's where the bulk of their revenue was being funneled and their previous dashboard was just a series of tables which for anyone who's familiar with my work in data visualization I'm not a big fan of tabular data Mm-hmm. I think it's very, very difficult to interpret, especially large tables with lots of numbers. Anyone who is intimate with the data, they know the ins and outs of it. Anyone who actually has to work downstream mm-hmm. from a big, heavy, bulky table yep. uh, will typically just glance over it. And it, it's like their eye doesn't even have a resting place. I, Annie, I just want to mention that just, back in the corporate world, I used to build databases using Microsoft Access and Excel, mainly Access, with millions of rows of tables. And I totally agree with you. When you put a table like that in front of someone, their eyes just glaze over. You have to create the data and tell it like a story. It has to be through pictures and visualization. And this is where graphs and so on and so forth come in. Yes? Yes, absolutely. And so with this particular client, their dashboard was just this you know, series of tables and they wanted me to make it sexy. When what I mean by making data sexy is really making it actionable, making mm-hmm. it such that the story that I want to communicate is so clear that all I have to do is add like an annotation, like this is what this chart means, check out this. Mm-hmm. But the visualization speaks for itself. And so with this particular client, they were spending about, I believe, 85% of their budget in AdWords, and then they were throwing 15% at Bing. Wow. And when I built out, you know, because it's like, oh, well, I might as well throw a little bit of spaghetti against the wall, feed the Bing machine. But when I did a visualization, they had no idea. I had no idea until, you know, I just kept teasing the data, teasing it until I found something that was worth, you know, them, worth their attention. And as it turned out, they were getting seven times the number of conversions with their Bing ads as they were with their AdWords ads, even though only a tiny percentage of their resources went to Bing ads. So I didn't just show them the visualization. I mean, the visualization itself was very, very compelling because... I used a combination of a column chart and a line chart over top. And with the columns, I was showing how much they were spending in each of the campaigns. And then with the line, I was showing the revenue that each campaign was generating uh, for both AdWords and Bing. And I mean, it, it just like jumped off the page. But then I also explained to them, because as the analyst, I feel like it's our responsibility or a marketer to not just present the data, but also interpret it. Sure. So my recommendation to them was, 
you need to either really double down, possibly triple down on Bing ads, mm. or you need to optimize your AdWords ads. I just want to bring out a couple of really important points you just said there. So return on investment, right? That basically means that for every dollar your client was putting in to Google, let's say they were getting $1 back in the form of revenue or for Bing, they were getting $7 back. Is that correct? Yes, exactly. So return so investment is an absolute no brainer. And this is what you can show to a client. This is what data can show a client that this is what your dollar is getting back to you in the form of revenue. And let's not forget that profit is what matters in the end. But clearly, if you're getting a higher revenue per dollar input from Bing than you are from Google, then you're crazy to be going with Google. Right, exactly. Or you really have to optimize your AdWords campaigns. They probably had keywords that they should have added negative keywords to. There may have been landing pages, uh, like some common issues I see, the landing pages are broken. So you're sending paid traffic to pages that are broken and you get a 404 error. Mm -hmm. And um, there are all kinds of common issues that I see with those campaigns. But they, it may have also been that they had, uh, you know, maybe, a, well, I don't know. I mean, any number of issues. But the most obvious conclusion was definitely being ads for your particular market is doing really well. So mm. throw more money at that machine. Mm, totally. So that's something really important to take away from this part of the conversation. If you're listening, I think you need to be asking yourself, what return on investment is my advertising dollar getting me? And how can I get information around what return on investment it's getting me if I don't have that information. And if you haven't got a clue where to start, you need to be talking to someone like Annie and getting them to help you understand where your dollar is going. Because if you are spending tens of thousands of dollars or even $10 and you're not even getting $10 back, then you're wasting money. Right, exactly. So Annie, I just want to take the conversation in a slightly different direction now. And I want to talk about Facebook advertising versus Google advertising, just to give the audience a little bit of a background on this. I have interviewed quite a few people in the Google advertising space, Mike Rhodes, Rand Fishkin in episode 38, Eric Enger in episode 41, Mike Rhodes in episode 15 and 82. But so far, I haven't had the opportunity to compare and contrast Facebook advertising to Google advertising. And it seems to me that Google advertising is becoming quite a technical area. You really need to be completely au fait with Google's terminology. As you said, their nomenclature, which is changing all the time. You need to really understand Google at a deep level to be able to leverage and optimize Google advertising. Whereas Facebook advertising seems to be very much made for the common man or woman. It's just so much simpler to use. Uh, they've got the boost post element going on. And when I interviewed Keith Krantz in episode 21, he just said the fastest way to get started with Facebook advertising is literally click on that boost posting. So they made it really easy. But I guess my question to you, Annie, is which one do you recommend in terms of return on investment? I mean, clearly, Facebook advertising is easy to get in. The barriers to entry in terms of knowledge is a lot lower for Facebook advertising. But are we better off doing Facebook advertising or should we be looking at Google advertising? Yeah, so a lot of it really depends on the business that you're in. So there are some businesses, even my business, it hasn't performed that well in Facebook advertising, but it kind of makes sense because 
when I was running ads, it was in reference to my site audit template, my analytics audit template, and typically when people are on Facebook, they don't really want to think about work. Mm -hmm. They want to, it's an escape. So my business is much better suited to LinkedIn, Google, and Twitter. Mm -hmm. However, that said, I do believe that the tools that Facebook offers business owners, it has really, I think that they've found a, a sweet spot in terms of their analytics is very, very easy to interpret. Mm. Even what you mentioned about like being able to promote a post and like it, just even something as simple as my daughter has a vintage uh, hair and makeup business mm -hmm. and she writing off uh, the business is less than a year old and some of her posts she'll end up promoting because there's actually a cap it says oh you can you know reach X to X number of people with five dollars mm. so in her mind oh five dollars you mm. know that's just <laughs> that's such a minimal investment and she can see in there you will reach this many to this many people mm. so I think Especially for businesses like smaller to mid-sized businesses, I think Facebook makes it much friendlier to kind of jump into the game mm. because you don't have to really understand the ins and outs of Facebook advertising in order to just jump in. You know, kind of like sure. my daughter with a very small business can say, $5, yeah. I have $5 that I can invest in this. I was just going to say, there's something cheeky about that, though, I think, that Facebook is doing, because they're saying to you, for $5, you can reach X to X people. But in terms of what we talked about earlier, that's not what matters, right? What matters is, what is your return on investment for that $5 is the question that I would be asking. So it's fine if I can reach a million people, but if I can't turn even one of them into a profitable customer, then what's the point, right? Right. But, you know, there's something about that very simple call to action that kind of provides, I mean, this is a really poor analogy, but it's almost like a gateway drug. Yes, you know, it is. That's, you know, that's the word Keith Krantz used. You know, <laughs> he said gateway drug. Yes. Right. So you and I, as marketers, we're thinking in terms of return on investment and things like that. But the average business owner, and that's not savvy, you know, with advertising and things like that. And even I've worked for two different agencies, even companies. Like I worked with one company. It was a high-end jewelry company. Mm -hmm. You would think. I mean, this was a well-known brand, and you would think that, of course, they would have this really well-oiled machine that they use to be able to track the ROI of their, uh, they were just running exclusively Google AdWords. No, they put their Amex number down, mm -hmm. and they gave the agency their Amex number, and then at the end of the month, and they would look at how much they spent on their Amex and compared to how much they pulled in from AdWords. And as long as the second number was larger than their Amex, they kept going. And I mean, I was floored. You know, I, I mean, when you actually start working with some of these bigger companies, it's really amazing how 
so many of them, like I've worked with companies that are investing in AdWords, they don't even have goals set up in their analytics account. They don't have revenue tracking set up. You know, and so so I think even not just for the smaller businesses, but even for some larger businesses, I think a lot of times marketers use these terms, but in the day-to-day, they really don't know how to track these things. And so one thing that Facebook has done is they've made it very easy to add a tracking pixel to your pages. So they said, okay, well, you can be retargeting people who, you know, visit your site, they come to Facebook, they see your ad. You put your tracking pixel on this page or these pages. And, you know, they make it, I think the process is fairly straightforward how to set these things up. I mean, sometimes you can get snagged on something as simple as there's too much text in the ad or or things like that. But they have so many different entry points for, especially for, like I said, SMBs to be able to, you know, kind of get that first hit and then they see the increased engagement. Now you suddenly have a CMO or CEO who's willing to invest a little bit more because now they're not quite so intimidated. They've seen like there are some metrics that they can look at to see, oh, okay, we promoted this post and now this happened or we ran this campaign to get more Facebook likes. We spent $25 and we got X number of likes on Facebook. You know, it's just like they see that kind Mm. of causal relationship Mm. and sometimes it's just a matter of getting that first hit, like what we talked about, that first hit of crap. And then they're willing to kind of, you know, like they're willing to kind of loosen up Mm. their controls to allow one of their marketers, even if it's a junior level marketer or their agency, Mm. you know, to say, hey, you know what, let's throw, we saw what happened with this and this, let's throw $500 at Facebook. But likes don't pay the bills. I know. But those likes, from there, they they branch out more to retargeting campaigns and and things like that. And retargeting campaigns... And that makes sense. Those are good. Retargeting campaigns are totally, you know, more effective than just general advertising, yeah? Yeah, a lot of the metrics in... Well, really, in all of the social media networks, but especially Facebook, they really are vanity metrics. Mm -hmm. Uh, But so many companies are addicted to them, you know, especially the high-level people, because what they're doing is they're pulling up their competitors' Facebook and they're saying, oh, they have this many likes. You know, we want, you know, X number of likes or we want this percentage increase, you know, and so it just happens all the time. Hmm. But then ultimately that's the marketer's role to begin to educate the C-suite in the company and say, okay, we can do better. If we add this pixel to these pages, we can actually promote something that will drive uh, actual conversions, will drive sales. A classic example is I'm not a big fan of retargeting as a consumer, especially when an ad chases me around Mm. everywhere I go on the internet. It just feels... You know, really creepy and invasive. <laughs> but, but last year at Christmas, I buy almost everything online. And so, you know, I was, you know, making all of my purchases and stuff. And 
And then I just had, you know, 80 bajillion tabs open, and I just went through and just all down, you know, just in rapid succession, and didn't realize that I had left two really, really important items in my cart, but I marked them off as, okay, I, I paid for these uh-huh. in my spreadsheet where I keep track of all of my purchases. And then I went on Facebook and I had a retargeting ad. This was the next day. I had a retargeting ad that told me I had two <laughs> items in my cart. I absolutely fell in love with that brand because I was like, wow, you know, like an actually like a useful retargeting ad. And of course, I clicked on it and I went and checked out. So obviously, there's a lot that marketers can do to inform and kind of train their teams so that they can see the most effective ways to advertise on social media so that you're just not adding to like what we were talking about earlier, just Hmm. the noise, you know, because otherwise you're just going to be an ad that I'm going to skim past to find out about my friend's engagement or whatever. Let me just explain a little bit about retargeting to our listeners in case you're not familiar with the term. I think we'll talk about it in detail with Mike Rhodes in episode 15 or 82, I'm not sure which, but basically retargeting is the process of targeting a pixel on your audience's or your target customer's computer, if you like, and then following them around the web and representing your product to them on other sites. So with Facebook retargeting, for example, they might be subscribed to your list or they might be subscribed, they might have uh, gone to your website to look for a pair of shoes and then they go to Facebook and they start seeing these ads for your shoes appear on Facebook and uh, on the right-hand side or left-hand side panel of Facebook, wherever it is. So that's essentially what retargeting is. Yes, exactly. And retargeting ads could be on Facebook or they could also be used through AdWords. So that was part one of this two-part series where we talked about data analytics and how it can really be used to benefit your business. We covered some useful topics, particularly around how to tease out the signal from the noise when it comes to data, the power of data visualization tools, and how to help you get your advertising dollar go up to seven times further using an actual case study. We also touched on retargeting and the difference between Facebook and Google advertising and which one is appropriate for your business. In the next part of this two-part series, we'll talk about the key obstacles around using data successfully and how to overcome them, and my favorite part, the action steps. So I look forward to bringing you the second part of this two-part series very shortly. In the meantime, if you enjoy this content, please do leave us a review on iTunes. That would be much appreciated. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Productive Insights Podcast. You can find all the links in the show notes below this episode on ProductiveInsights.com. You can also ask questions in the comment section that Ash personally answers. How can Ash help you today? 